Hello and welcome to Credit Shift News and Update. This week we have our co-host again, Webio CEO Cormac O'Neill, back to explore the stories, the events, the reports and the trends in the credit industry. Let's dive into the details. First, general credit industry news. More on UK wages this week. Wages in the UK grew by 7.8% in the three months to June, marking the fastest annual rate on record. Uh, The future of this wage and inflation cycle remains uncertain, uh, but a decrease in the energy component of inflation is expected soon. Uh, In light of the reports from Shelter, the housing charity, which found that 55% of tenants were experiencing rent increases and 37% were struggling with payments, a decline in this cycle is going to be very welcome. Uh, The number of renters who uh, only have a month's worth of savings for rent has surged by nearly a third in the last two years. And this really highlights the simple reality that when rents rise, disposable income falls. And on top of that, um, just getting the to the energy component of that again, which magazine reported uh, this week that nearly half of UK households or 13 million consumers refrained from using heating during last winter's cold snap. Now, with 30, with 85% of households trying to reduce energy usage and energy bills, um, that's really showing that if if we have a continued energy cost surge this year, that's really going to be something that both con- consumers and utility companies are going to have to manage between them. Um, another piece of news that came out last week, uh, the UK government is trying to ensure that most people can access fee-free ATMs within three miles of where they live. It is touted as a move to benefit rural residents, the elderly and those with disabilities, and the whole initiative will be overseen by the FCA. Uh, I think this measure is likely to be praised for promoting inclusiveness. Um, But again, as with all these initiatives, the the devil's going to be in the details. Cormac, it it certainly sounds, again, like more drip, drip, drip bad news in terms of how pressed people are. But uh, how do you think uh, CEOs in the credit industry should be keeping their eyes on uh, movements here? There actually, do you know what, Paul? There's a lot in this opening one. Um, as as I listen to you there and look at, all right. Well, look. First of all, I just heard this morning small bit of good news in that Ofgen have um, cut the price cap further. I think by seven percent, which is going to kick in 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 October. So that's definitely good news for consumers out there. Uh, there should be some savings in that. Um, on your energy bills. Um, I think a really scary statistic that you you read out there, Paul, was the number of renters that have only got one month's worth of savings, right? Um, And you said there's been a surge in that. That is certainly concerning. And I think you'd have to watch that space uh, in terms of what impact that could have as we get into the last quarter of the year. Um, I think if I look at, to answer your question in relation to CEOs in the industry, um, an industry that that we're quite familiar with is is the energy and utilities industry, right? So I would hope that those companies have used, um, let's call it the off season for energy uh, over the the summer months to prepare themselves for for winter. Um, And I think, we are seeing that or we've seen that in the activity in, in air utility 
uh, companies where there's been a marked increase in the importance of data to them and reporting. You know, we've seen our customers come to us and say, look, we'd like to generate reports covering uh, XYZ in relation to their customers. So I think for me, that's a sign that they're, you know, starting to get on top of this and, and looking at um, vulnerabilities that their customers may have or signs for vulnerabilities. Uh, I think a lot of people were somewhat caught on the hop last year with what happened um, with energy prices, so they didn't really have time to react. Um, I think my key uh, advice um, on this would be, I think you're going to have to remain flexible. Uh, I think flexibility is going to be the key uh, as we get into the, to the, winter, the winter months because there's still a lot of uncertainty out there. Um, you know, whether it's in the, the general economy or, or in um, energy prices itself, I think there's still a lot of uncertainty out there as what's going to happen. And companies are going to have to uh, be flexible um, and innovative in their approach. Um, just if I may, there's one other thing that jumped out at me. Um, the one about the ATMs is really interesting, right? And I'm, I'm delighted to see that. Um, uh, you know, and I was just as you were as you were reading that out, I'm thinking to myself, you know, what other services could ATMs be used for um, to service people outside of just giving them cash? Nothing wrong with that. That's a it's a very important service, but there must be other ways that you can use these ATM points to service people. Uh, so yeah, that's just something to think about. That's such a good point. I, I can, now that you've said it, it's completely obvious, right? That um, what, like, if you think that the underserved or unserved markets are cash, cash primarily, how could, how could you use ATMs to reach those people? I think that's a really, that's a great point. Brings me on to my next section, um, embedded finance. Uh, it's a favorite topic of mine. There are certainly many different strategic trends impacting the credit industry, including AI. Um, but the changing regulatory landscape uh, today in embedded finance is really something that's interesting. Uh, a review um, from Papers, P-A-Y-P-E-R-S, this week spotlighted the importance of clear guidance from regulators in the embedded finance. The guidance would encompass areas like due diligence, third-party risk management, compliance, fraud prevention, data protection, and protections for participating entities. As this whole area evolves into a mesh of services, it really needs to be clear where liability lies at all times. It struck me that for all the talk about using embedded finance within the customer's digital journey, much less time has been expended on understanding the regulatory and governance frameworks that they should be operating under. Um, and regulation isn't the only thing that might be affecting uh, these fintech companies. Uh, this week, on both sides of the Atlantic, two big companies faced drops in valuation. Amsterdam-based payments operator Aden, uh, that's A-D-Y-E-N, has seen its stock value drop 39%, erasing 18 billion euros from the company's market cap. The drop comes as the company reported its slowest revenue growth on record. And this really is one of those uh, kind of market developments that says it's fairly tough for financial services companies out there right now. Um, and the general market is very tight for fintechs. Um, but one good fintech story is the uh, Apple financial products. 
Uh, following on our previous mention in an earlier pod about the buy now, pay later offers from Apple, Apple announced a savings account and has garnered $10 billion in savings since its launch in April. So in about four months, and as a new product, it's reached $10 billion in savings. Needless to say, if you have Apple Pay, Apple Pay Later, Apple Savings Account, the real risk is that you are just trusting Apple to handle your money. And just like Amazon now takes over 90% of all new retail that goes online, is it ridiculous to think that all financial services products could go to one of the major platform players. This has got to be just another wake-up call for companies to get in the digital game and to get their digital game in order, or they're just going to be locked out of the future. Cormac, do you have any thoughts on what's happening right now in the digital transformation in credit and collections, maybe in particular? Yeah, I've got to tell you, that's mind-blowing figures there, what Apple have done within 10 billion in savings in four months. There's no stopping these guys. Um, that's just incredible. But to, to your question, Paul, um, if COVID has uh, taught us anything, uh, I think it's yeah, it's a bit of a cliche now, but you you got to go digital or die is, is what's going to happen here. Um, and that's true for our, our own industry and credit collections. You're going to see a lot, of, um, a lot of consolidation in the industry where kind of like small um small players who who probably don't have the resources to transform digitally overnight so to speak um are are going to probably get rolled up into larger players that already have the uh, have a digitalization strategy or can um have the resources to to speed up that uh that program of digitalization because it really is a must i mean everything you're reading today you know what you just read out there about apple and uh, and Amazon, you know, shows you where the future of, of finance is going. That's for sure. A little bit scary. Um, I, I, but I'll go back to the ATMs on the previous um, point. There is still a need for cash out there, right? There's still a need for cash in our society. Uh, a cash isn't going away anytime soon. Um, you know, look, we, we, we got to realize that there's a large percentage of people who can't afford Apple products or can't afford uh, products that allow you to go digital and they will always uh, rely on cash. So, um, you know, but look, uh, you can't swim against the tide on this one either. Um, You know, if if you haven't got a digital strategy in place, um, you know, you're too late uh, uh, is is my view on this one because it's, it's, it's moving really, really quickly. Yeah. For, for me, the, the, you know, I, I know a couple of people in the uh, retail end of, of commerce, and I think it, for a while it was like all channels, all marketplaces, you know, all hands on deck kind of in every market. Um, but I think we're also seeing the importance of having a direct relationship with your customers and being able to use that direct relationship to build better data um, on that relationship. So the, the first party relationships, they're calling it. And how do you use that opportunity to interact with the customer to build as much data as you can and get get as close as you can to that customer? Um, so for me, that digital, um, that digital transformation challenge isn't just about being digital. It's about how do I be digital and build that data that enables me to have that closer relationship with the customer. And I think if you look at our experience in the credit and collection space, um, people who are able to share information 
more openly with the, the collections company have a better outcome. They have a better rating of that relationship and they often come back to do uh, business with the, the people that they were getting the loan from in the first place or that they owed the money to in the first place. So I, I think how you have that relationship, how you manage it, how you use conversations more effectively um, is all a part of that being digital first. Uh, which leads me on nicely to the third part of our conversation today. We said we'd spend a little bit more time on the AI industry. Um, AI is one of those big trends that is uh, hitting every uh, company, every industry. Um, so lucky for us, a report dropped last week from McKinsey to really help us out in this regard. The McKinsey report revealed that 79% of their respondents have been exposed to generative AI. So that's the chat GPT to you and me. 22% are using it regularly. And the difficulty in navigating this kind of Gen AI's features and functionalities echoes the kind of previous challenges with Alexa-driven AI, we might call it. But interestingly, over 20% of respondents are using this technology every single day, with 25% of people in financial services using it both in work and outside of work. And what that really shows is that from nowhere, it's become a part of the daily working routine of nearly a quarter of people working in financial services. And I don't think we've ever seen a technology sweep through like that before. And I think it's hard to overstate how, how important that is, but it is going to reach a number of stages and plateaus. It's going to plateau out when it, everyone's explored how to write a letter better, how to send a better um, email to someone else, or how to write a document in a more formal fashion. It's going to pl plateau out until it can get to the next stage of, of, um, of use, of how do I get that, that context better, uh, integrate with with the other workflows around them more effectively. But it's still an, an amazing number. And I think that with a third of respondents regularly using a Gen AI in functions like marketing, sales, customer care, uh, the variety in Gen AI applications from document creation to trend forecasting, which was surprising to me, that's really intriguing. Um, I think we're seeing examples like uh, you know, the ones that we would kind of guess, like drafting documents, personalized marketing, um, creating first drafts, things that they're kind of things that we all kind of know and how to how to play around with. I think most people have a sense that this is going to be used for driving chatbots, etc. Um, the thing that surprised me was the forecasting and, and how people were using it in kind of regular reporting that that kind of surprised me. The the other thing that that took me back a little was that it was used in the in the high performance companies in this report. It was really the the, the high performers that were using it in product development and in risk modeling. So they'd gone beyond those early cases, even though uh, these organizations focus on new 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 things. They're also focusing on what can they do like significantly differently? Like how does this actually radically change things uh, in their business? We, we've talked about this ourselves before, Cormac, about complete process automation. But I love it when I read something that's maybe against what I, what I thought. And so I would have said 99% of all adoption of this AI was on cost reduction. 
these high performers are focusing on new business development, new products. Uh, they're, they're looking at new ways of doing business. So I, I think that's a real takeaway for me that maybe aiming for more transformative uses of the Gen AI is, is, is sooner rather than later to be looking at it. I know as like we're a multi-award winning AI company and this is still taking us by surprise about all the things it can do. Um, I think we're, we're familiar with this, but the, the complexity of adopting this AI is around, especially is around adopting live model operations. So how are you using this in real time operations? And that requires what's been called um, ML ops or machine learning ops. And this is where you really need this kind of really robust data chain, bringing data all the way around your platform and powering some particular features and functions. So I, I think Cormac, this could be a difficult one for someone not familiar with chat GPT and generative AI to get their heads around. And what are you, what are you taking away from this? So, um, the first thing I'm going to say on this one, Paul, is that, um, I would encourage, or sorry, I've, I've got news for every CEO out there, right? I'm going to guarantee you that your team today are already using generative AI, chat GPT, whatever. I'm just, I'll encourage you to go do a poll and ask them. Um, I did this myself this morning on the Webio uh, Jim Bob call, which is an all hands call we have here every day uh, at Webio. Um, we have just under 40 employees. So I asked the team, yeah, hands up on the call, who uses ChatGPT or some form of generative AI? I was blown away out of the team. There are only two people who are not using it in their daily working routine and what to do outside of Webio uh, doesn't concern me. So there are 37 people in our organization currently using it today um, in some shape or form. Right? So that's 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 incredible, right? So um, and using it to good effect as well. Right? So what I would say is, look, um, first of all, you got to understand what it is, right? You got to educate yourself and get the knowledge as to what exactly this is, right, Paul? You said that a lot of people won't won't know and, and understand that, and I, I agree. Uh, but I would encourage you, to, you can do a small bit of research on this um, and, first of all, understand what the technology is. Um, then you got to understand what the risks are associated with it um, uh, in your business. Like, nobody knows your business better than you. So once you know what it is and what it's capable of, assess the risks that, that are there. Um, but equally, look at the benefits that it can bring to your team um, because it is an amazing, uh, amazing, I'm just going to call it tool, right? It's got superb capabilities. Um, so even within Webio, what we're doing now is we're setting up a, a pod of um, team members who are going to look at how the team are using um, uh, generative AI across the team, you know, what benefits are they getting and what learnings are there that can be spread among the team so we can all benefit from this. Um, so I would really, really strongly encourage um, uh, CEOs or managers to, number one, educate themselves. Uh, talk to your teams, see what they're doing today, because 
I'm pretty certain you're going to find out that they're they're using it already. Um, and you've got to build policies around it. Well, we do have policies in place that cover the use of generative AI. Um, make sure that your team are aware of what those policies are and that they're 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 robust enough and that they're they're adhering to them. Um, you know, because uh it is gonna bring or it has the potential, sorry, let me rephrase that. It has the potential to bring significant benefits to, to, to your team and how they how to conduct their their um their daily their daily work. No doubt about it. I, I think uh that's a great um advice there, uh, Cormac. I think also um you might be surprised that the just when you show people what you can do with the tech, they almost push you away and go, oh my God, I didn't realize it. I'm I'm just going to get right into this. And and they take it up. So it, it's a really strange technology in that way in that it kind of reflects what people want to do. Um, it it kind of changes. It, it's, it's a different beast for everyone who's using it because they all have different jobs to do. And it's going to be various, good or bad, depending on those jobs. Um, but I, I think this report from McKinsey also shows that um, that you do have to have a, a policies, but only 20% of people, of companies in their report had policies covering this. And, and 30% had taken absolutely no action to cover themselves against um, either cybersecurity or inaccuracy risks. So you can easily see someone thinking that something they've, they've, they've uh, developed up on, on uh, Gen AI would produce an outcome and then they just copy and paste it and put it into something without actually going to check that number or checking if that is true. And, and that's just kind of naive use of, it, of, of the technology, not really understanding what it is. But experimenting is really important. And the, the research from McKinsey is also showing that companies that are previously AI good, like they're they, uh, they understand how to use it. They've, they've grabbed it. They're running with it. They're pretty competent with AI. Those companies are running ahead again. Um, like it's a compounding effect. They're better at data. They're, they're better at AI. Now they're better at Gen AI. And they're just going to cycle ahead of everybody else unless you take some pretty radical action to get in this game. Again, the things that surprised me about the use of the AI was in areas like um, risk modeling, performance management and HR, organization design, workforce deployment optimization. Like I, I would not have thought of those areas as being things that, that were, were going to be open to this. And I think just speaking with people in the industry myself recently, um, I think that there's a lot of generic offers going to come out there, like co-piloting type offers where you're going to have uh, an AI assistant to help you do your work in various contexts. Um, we're still betting here that the co-pilot that really understands your context, uh, really understands the workflow that you're involved in and it knows how it can help you, that you really have to have a sharp focus on what it's going to do for you um, as, a, as an investment. So not just taking any generic product in and thinking it's going to deliver all the benefits in the world to you. There's going to be benefits to being niche and being uh, with a company that really understands your your vertical. That's what we yeah. think at, at, at Webio anyway. So I, I think, Paul, just to, to add into that, right? I, I think there are certain companies where using generative AI and AI in general is kind of almost in their DNA and will become part of their DNA, right? They're very, very comfortable using it. 
Um, uh, and they will certainly uh, use it as an accelerator for what to do, right? Um, there are other companies then, but it, that's just not the case, right? Um, but they can certainly look at how they can use it to augment and supplement a lot of what their teams do on a daily basis. And like, you know, as you read out there, the use cases for it, like you wouldn't even think of, of some of those use mm. cases that you can use it, um, you yeah. know, but you like companies really should dig in um, and look at how can we use it, understand what, what it is, how can we use this in our organization? And that has to be across your team. Um, it can't be siloed. Uh, it has to be across the team so you can understand um, where people are, as I said earlier, where they're already using it today. Um, and then you can share those learnings across the team. So um, that just to wrap up on that point, the um, McKinsey report really makes it obvious that it is being adopted across all organizations, but most organizations only adopt it in one place and are only in one yeah. kind of functional area right now. And the biggest functional area they're in is in the customer service operations. Uh, that's the main 50% of the 54% of, 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 uh, of, of the use cases are in, in that area. So, um, or actually I might be reading that a little bit, uh, a little bit incorrectly. I think it is that they are 50%, uh, 54% of companies are increasing their use of um, AI in customer service. So I think that is the hot area to get into, but every other area of the business is going to be using it. And like you were saying earlier, as the CEO, not a bad idea to have an idea of how you're going to cascade the learnings across the business because every part of the business is going to benefit from the adoption here. Yeah. So um, today, just a brief recap, um, the market uh, still the general uh, economy is still uh, not looking like it's uh, it's it's going to recover from its uh, cycle of inflation. So far, it's uh, kind of stabilizing with uh, wage inflation also uh, still rising. So that picture is still not looking pretty. Um, the world of embedded finance is showing some signs that that market is not growing at the pace that it was before or that the rate of pace is growing, uh, is slowing down. Again, that might be an indication of the general slowdown in the economy. Um, but the rate of adoption of AI is definitely the big story across all sectors and across the financial services and the credit and collection space, no different from anything else. So on that, I'd like to thank you for joining us again this week. Cormac, thanks again for bringing the CEO perspective to these conversations. It's as valuable as always. And hopefully you'll join us again next week for Credit Shift. And keep your eye out for what's happening at Webio, webio.com. We always have new stories showing up there. And I'm delighted to say that our next guest uh, will be joining us very soon as our guest interview. And we'll be rejoined by uh, uh, Dan uh, from Optima. And we'll be talking to a very senior person from the credit business. Join us then.